we're making our way through this preaching series called Offensive Play. Using the American football analogy, we've got team t-shirts. And I think the temptation is that when you see this kind of symbol on the screen, you see one side playing against another side, and we want the spirit to win against the law. And we can be tempted to believe that in some way this is God against the devil. And it's not, because that is not a contest. That has been decided absolutely 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. He won the victory, the decisive victory over Satan. Satan has been defeated. His end is absolutely assured. There will be a day of judgment and he will be forever done away with. So we are free. But there is still an ongoing battle inside of our minds to come into a place of freedom in terms of, am I living in the truth of what Jesus has won for me or not? So closer look at the two helmets. On the one side over here, we've got the Spirit's freedom, which is what Jesus died to bring us into. That is our gift. It is our inheritance. It belongs to you. On the other side, we've got lawful slaves. And these are not bad people, but these are people who are still trying through self-effort and performance to earn right standing with God, but that has already been done. But even though, you see, even though the enemy, even though Satan has been defeated, he still whispers in our ears because between now and Judgment Day, he still wants to try and detract from everything that Jesus has won for us. He still wants to convince you and me that we need to live in bondage. And so this battle between spirit's freedom and lawful slaves goes on in our minds as we hear the voice every day saying, try harder, try harder, work harder, do more, give more, read more, pray more, attend more, be nicer, all the stuff. We hear that. I hear that. Or we hear it in the negative. You're not good enough. You're not, you're not authentic enough. You're not the real deal enough. You're just not enough. How can you stand up there? How can you, how can you pretend in the workplace that you are someone so special when actually we know, we know you're not. You know you're not. We hear these voices, these messages from Satan telling us that we are not good enough. Meanwhile, God is saying, I'm enough and I've done everything. So you are now in that place of absolute righteousness, absolute holiness. You are perfect because I am perfect and I've made you perfect. And so this is the battle that goes on inside our minds, but gets outworked in our environments. And so we see often around us, we see religious communities that put across this facade of behavior and conformance to a certain pattern and they try to convince us that this is the way you have to be. I said it in the first service, so I'll say it again. I both loved and hated the Queen's funeral. I loved it because there was a declaration of her faith in Christ. 
but it was wrapped in such religious terminology that the message came across to our whole nation and probably to the 4.1 billion that watched it that this formula is how you must approach God. And that's so not true. That is exactly what the Apostle Paul was screaming against in the book of Galatians, why he said, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Why are you believing that you have to perform in a certain way in order to be accepted to God? It's not meant as a criticism to my brothers and sisters in the Church of England tradition, but that message gets underneath our skin. And so we come into a church building and we somehow believe that we've got to attend to a standard of behavior, a standard of speech, a certain demeanor. And the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ just wants to rip that facade off and say, no, come as you are. Come as you are because I, I know you best and I love you most. I know you on your worst moment of your worst day, the moment that you desperately try to forget, I know that, and I still love you most. No one loves you like I do. I don't look at you through your sin. I look at you through redemption. That song is powerful. I don't see your sin. I only see redemption. God is not sin conscious as he looks at you. He is conscious of who you have become in his son and all of the possibilities that are wrapped up in that. And that's what we want to get hold of. That's where we want to live. That's what this whole series is about. Offensive play, spirit's freedom, not lawful slaves. Don't just settle for being nice people. Sam, you could be a very nice person in work tomorrow. Well, you could. Don't shake your head. <laughs> Honestly. But being a nice person is not the same as being a spirit-empowered son of the King of Kings. If you just want to be a nice person, don't come here on a Sunday morning. Join the Rotary Club. Join the Women's Institute. Lots of nice people. Lots of lovely people. They're, they're absolutely great people. But we are called higher than that. We are called to walk in the inheritance of the Spirit which Jesus Christ died to give you. And don't mix it up. Don't mix it up with just a little bit of law and a whole lot of grace. Because when we say, well, Jesus, I really like just a few rules. I really, really love just a little bit of religion. What we're actually saying is, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for doing what you did on the cross. But actually, there's a few things that I would like to take care of myself, if that's okay. I'd like to just lean on my own ability rather than yours. Like, what an offense to the person of Jesus Christ who died so that you would never have to lift a finger in order to be acceptable and loved to the Father. Let me ask you a, a question. I've got a few questions for you this morning. How much religious duty do you expect from a corpse? How much would you expect in terms of religious behavior from a dead body? 
Well, not much, not much is the answer. In fact, none. Because the last time I checked, dead bodies don't do much. And you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are dead to the old way of the world, which was all based on performance. At the very start of this series, um, on the, in early September, we baptized seven young people here. And all of them went down into the water, underneath the water, declaring, I'm dead. I'm dead to the old way of life. I'm dead to self-effort. I'm dead to that way of living. I'm dead to trying to prove it to anybody. I'm dead of trying to prove it to myself. And they came back up again, declaring, I live in Christ. My righteousness is in Christ. In nothing else, I will not add to it. And that's kind of one of the core messages of Galatians. I've focused in on two key verses from the book of Galatians today. This one, Galatians 2.20, is one of those ones that most people remember. You might even have tried to memorize it at one point. The Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live. Michael, you no longer live. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. When I look into your eyes, I see Christ. When you look into your eyes in the morning, you see Christ. You will hear the voice that says, you're not, you're not that, you're not that. But the truth of Scripture is you have died. The old you has been dealt with. The new has been created in Christ Jesus. You are holy. The second verse, just a few verses forward from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, is Galatians 3, verse 2. Really struggling to read that screen, so I'll turn around and read this one. Paul is saying, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? This is, this is the one thing that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians. He said, this is it. This is what I want to know. How did you receive the Spirit? Because he knew them. He'd been there. He'd planted the church. He knows these people. And he's writing to them saying, like, I know that you are people of the Spirit. I know that the Spirit of God is, is moving amongst you. I know that there are miracles. I know that there are signs. I know that there is prophecy. I know that there is all the plethora of the Spirit's activity amongst you. How did you get it? Answer, you did not get it by doing anything. You got it through believing in Jesus Christ. That was it. You opened the door of your heart to him. He flooded in. And from that moment, the Spirit of God took up residence within you. And you are full of him. So don't go doing all that other stuff again. Don't run back to that. Like This, this is the primary descriptor of the people of God. We are people of the Spirit. We are people of the Spirit. This is, this is the sign of life. You know, you go to somebody, you check their pulse. Yep, they've got a heartbeat. You come to a Christian, someone who's opened their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you put their, your finger on the pulse. Yes, you've got the Spirit. Yes, the Spirit is alive in this one. That is the sign of life, the sign of life. You don't put your finger on the pulse and go, Yes, they go to church. Uh, yes, they're reading the Bible. Yes, they're part of a home group. Yes, they're giving. Yes, I think they're alive. No, that stuff is dead. 
Have they got the Spirit? Have you got the Spirit? Are you a man or woman of the Spirit? That is what defines you as a follower of Jesus, as a, as a Christian. And this was a massive reset. Like we talk about a reset through COVID, and I believe that God was doing some amazing stuff through his church in those two years, realigning us, refocusing us. But this was the biggest reset of all history. God's greatest reset. And he was, in the person of Jesus Christ, he was transitioning all of humanity from being law-focused to being spirit-focused. Because the Old Test, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they were defined by the temple. They were defined by the sacrificial system. They were defined by the feast days, the high days. And core to that, was the Passover. You remember the, the movie, Prince of Egypt, if you haven't read the story in Exodus, at least maybe you've seen the movie. The Passover, they get the perfect lamb. It's gotta be a perfect lamb, without blemish, without fault. And they kill the lamb and they take its blood and they smear the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of their homes. And because of that, the angel of death passes over and the people who have put their trust in the lamb are able to walk out into freedom and into the destiny that has been created for them. That was their moment of freedom. And then did you realize that Pentecost was actually part of the Jewish calendar long before Acts chapter two? It was 49 days plus one, 50 days, Pentecost. It was 50 days later after Passover. And it was on that day that they celebrated the moment where the whole nation of Israel, led by Moses, got to Mount Sinai. And they stood at the bottom of Mount Sinai and the, the, the cloud of the glory of God came down in the mountain. There was trembling and smoke and loud noises. <laughs> and Moses is given the commandments. And this, on this moment, when they celebrate Pentecost, what they're celebrating is God has said to them, you are free because of the lamb. And now you are my people because I've given you law. This defines you. That was the Old Testament. And in this reset of all resets, God says, no more. My definition of you as my people is completely different. There's continuity, but there is massive difference. The continuity is this. The perfect lamb is the person of Jesus Christ, whose blood does not get sp spread on the doorpost, but is on the cross on that wooden cross. And it is through faith in that perfect lamb, the perfect blood of the perfect lamb that you are declared free, free. All of it dealt with instantly, forever. There's a continuity, but there's a difference. Because 50 days later on Pentecost, God chose that perfect moment where there were Jews from all over the known world who had descended on Jerusalem to celebrate the moment where they say, yes, we are God's people because we have the law. And God interrupted their celebration and said, no, you are my people because I poured out my spirit on you. And he poured out the Spirit on the day of Pentecost and there was a speaking in tongues, there was the flames of fire, there was this declaration, God has moved in. And not just to a building, but into human hearts. And human hearts from all tribes and tongues. All nations, men and women. It's the, it's the, 
the, the outworking of the Joel 2 prophecy. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my slaves, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. He did it at Pentecost. And he said, this now marks you as my people. You are my people because you are full of my spirit. Don't rely on the law that led you to this. Now that needs to go. It's finished. It's done with. Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. Another question for you. What's Jesus' second name? You're all holding back. Come on. Christ. Well, you're wrong. It's not his second name. You know, it's, uh, it's actually a descriptor of who he is. Yeah? Because Jesus, actually a really common name in first century uh, Israel. It was Yeshua, Joshua, as we translate it now into our Old Testament. And many people, maybe some of you are called Joshua today. You've got the same name as Jesus. Any Joshua's in the room this morning? No Joshua's. Oh, that's shocking. Anyway, so in those days, there would have been lots of, lots of Yeshua's, lots of Jesus's. But what was it that set Jesus apart? When they saw Jesus, it wasn't just, oh, there's another Jesus. It was, there's Jesus Christ, the anointed one. They saw Jesus, but they saw the anointing that rested upon him. And it wasn't like he didn't have a flappy dove on his head all day long. He, didn't, he wasn't dripping with oil. But there was something about Jesus that drew people's attention. And they said, he's not just any old Jesus. He is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah, Messiah is just the same word, Christ, taken from the Hebrew language and then translated into the Greek language. He's anointed. And this is the invitation for us. You know, they were, the followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch. Christians just means little Christs, little anointed ones. Oh, there's another anointed one. Now, that person's anointing is a bit like Jesus. He was Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, that's Jane Christ. Jane the anointed one. Because she carries the anointing of Jesus. Yeah, there's Andy Christ. We had one in the first meeting. Anybody called Chris? We had Chris Christ in the first meeting, which I thought was great. <laughs> Loved that. But you could put your name there. And it is, that is the invitation that, that we as God's people are to step into. That we reflect his anointing in our daily lives. I am Gareth, the anointed one. And the Holy Spirit of God wants me to walk with that confidence. Dave, he wants you to walk with that confidence. You are Dave, the anointed one. Fraser, the anointed one in your workplace, wherever you go, the anointed one. And it doesn't depend on your behavior. You'll not be the anointed one if you get up tomorrow morning and do good. You're anointed because you're his child. It's your inheritance. You can't shake it. What's this? Any ideas? Somebody said parachute. Close. It's actually a hot air balloon. Yeah. 
doesn't look much like a hot air balloon, does it really? No. But guarantee you, that is a hot air balloon. If you look really closely, it says balloon on it. Um, but that is a hot air balloon. Now follow me on this one a little bit, okay? When you become a Christian, you become a hot air balloon, okay? Your identity is transformed. In the spirit, you become a new creation. You are Mike the hot air balloon. <laughs> but you are not meant to be carried around in a bag. You'll be glad to know that, Faith. You're not meant to be carried around in a bag. You are meant to look like this. Your identity is Christian. When you follow Jesus, your identity is Christian. You are given that identity. It cannot be taken away from you. But you are not meant to just sit there shriveled up without the life and the power and the lift and the glory of the Holy Spirit in your heart. This is what we are invited to. We are invited to be people who open our lives to the flow of the Spirit in us. Changing us, transforming us, enlarging us, making us able to lift, to fly, to go places that we would not be able to go without the Spirit's power. And you know how hot air balloons work. The air gets warm, they lift, they fly. After a while, the external temperature begins to reduce the temperature of the balloon and they begin to come down. And then the person who's flying needs to give it a blast, another, you know, another pull. And up it goes again. And we, just like this hot air balloon, we need the constant infilling power of Holy Spirit so that we keep flying so that we don't come crashing down to the ground. You will never stop being a hot air balloon. The question is, are you drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit so that you fly? Or are you just lying in a crumpled heap on the floor? You may feel like today you're lying in a crumpled heap on the floor. You may feel like you're on your way down. You've been flying high and your altitude is decreasing and you can see the mountain ranges approaching. You may feel like you're just a bit squishy around the edges. Don't go there, Gareth. Don't go there. The invitation is from the Holy Spirit. Ask me to fill you again. Ask me to fill you with my power. Fill you with my presence. Enable you to be that person of the Spirit that I have designed you to be. The, um, the highlighting on this slide has slightly shifted, so it's supposed to highlight the, the bold bit, okay? Or the, the capitals bit. This is where Jesus is speaking to a whole crowd of people at another festival. He says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. Jesus came to the Jewish nation and he knew that they were thirsty. They didn't know what they were thirsty for. Today, I believe you know what you're thirsty for. You know that you're thirsty for more of the infilling life and joy and fullness and holiness 
of the Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing I love about this is that Jesus just says, are you thirsty? There is no other qualifier because I know, because I've been there myself, you sometimes ask yourself the question, well, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I've, I've done very well recently. I'm not sure that I, I could actually really come to God and ask for his Holy Spirit because he's the Holy Spirit and I'm not. No, Jesus doesn't say in this passage, he doesn't say, come to me, those of you who've been Christians for 15 years plus, who've studied your Bible really well, got a degree in theology and go to every prayer meeting under the sun, then I will give you my Holy Spirit. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, are you thirsty? Do you, do you recognize that your balloon is beginning to come down? Do you recognize that it's all beginning to get a little bit out of shape? Do you know your need for me in your life? Just come to me and drink. Come to me. I'll pour out the Holy Spirit. That's what, I've, that's what, I, what I live for. And so I just want us, we've got 10 minutes or so, I just want us to, to, to do that this morning. Because I believe that God's invitation to us as a whole community is don't try to live in religion. Don't try to live in pulling yourself up by your bootstraps for one moment longer. Trust me. Let me breathe life into you. Let me fill you with my spirit. That's the life. That's life to the full that I've promised you. So if you recognize that you would just need some more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's your first time. That's fine. Maybe it's your 5,000th time. That's fine. doesn't matter. There's no qualifier. Are you thirsty? Just stand with me and let's invite him to come. Let's invite him to come. It's who he is. It's what he loves to do. This isn't going to be complicated. All we're doing is we are opening our hearts. So if it helps you, just close your eyes. See yourself presenting your heart before the Father. And just open your heart to him. And say to him, Lord, I'm thirsty. Will you fill me? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Make us a people of the Spirit. Make us a people who are relying 100% on your presence, 100% on your spirit, not on ourselves. In fact, do this with me. Just let me lead you in prayer. Repeat after me if you will. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I renounce my self-effort. I do not want to lean on that anymore. I am hungry for you. I am thirsty for you. Only you will satisfy. So fill me now, Holy Spirit. Fill me now, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit of God.